Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11, for Dave and Dijanovic. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our interview with Stephen Drake. I guess as a skier, and, and this goes to the roots of the mission again, you know, personally, I um, just was obsessed with like how how I could further my own craft and ski, you know, not necessarily so, you know, to get a claim or, or some accolade or something. It's just really a, a very personal mission about like uh, developing the art of... Um. So, Stefan, DPS Skis, dpsskis.com, right? Um, you guys, you know, have essentially, like, the most premium ski, the best powder backcountry ski, but you still have to get the word out. Can you talk about um, Can you talk about these videos? And, you know, I think I just saw on Twitter that you guys got accepted to the Banff Film Festival, stuff like that. Can you talk about your approach to getting the word out about having something awesome? Yeah, yeah, it's tough, you know, because we're – even to this day, we're uh, we're still upstarts in a you know in an in a industry that's had a lot of history and a lot of entrenched players in it. So, um, and there's a lot of boutique ski builders out there, and you know so many of them kind of come and go. And, and creating a sustainable business model around what we do, especially at our price points, is you know it's interesting. And, and we need to create a, a brand that's commiserate with with the product and I, a lot of it's you know not like strategic is a lot of it, the the media aspect of what we do is just natural you know when we were kind of in the nascent stages of of building skis and designing skis we're also traveling the world you know chasing uh you know that perfect run the best snow um the best spots and and that's culturally ingrained kind of in the dna of the company and you know part of that was not only like trying to find perfection in the mountains but also we also found like a lot of uh, uh a lot of richness in like sharing that experience with our friends and documenting it at a at a very high level uh in terms of the quality of of the narrative and the images and all that stuff so so cinematic is our like little film arm and and really it wasn't created as again as like a marketing piece per per se but more a sort of a natural expression of of our experience in the mountains um and it was you know the photographers uh the photographer that basically has grown up with dps oscar Hernandez, a really good friend that that's that's been with us from the beginning the filmmakers ben sergeliski frank Battelle, also all good friends that were you know like friendships that were fused in the mountains and um and yeah so it's not a, a marketing uh program as much as it is uh just doing what we do normally but uh it's obviously been super instrumental in terms of creating brand awareness for us in a really uh kind of flooded uh, landscape of, of big brands so uh, yeah, the cinematic series, we, we've been running it for about, I think, five seasons now, more or less. And um, it's 
yeah, we do these very high quality um, uh, shorts that um, ski shorts and, and yeah, they've been a, a huge piece, especially, you know, when we're uh, a huge piece in terms of creating brand awareness, that's just the beginning, you know, to get the DPS name out there and logo. And then once you go down that sales funnel, we obviously have to complement it with, you know, more technical and product specific marketing. But uh, at the top of that funnel, um, in terms of getting the name out there, especially in you know markets like Japan or, or the whole European continent, it's, it's been a really valuable tool. Well, I want to talk about this for a minute because you know content marketing has been beat to death, and people you know oftentimes when you really look at especially larger organizations implementation of content marketing, it's like yeah, make sure the twenty one year old intern has put enough Facebook posts up. Right. Yeah. And there, there really so often is a missing of the mark on quality. And mm -hmm. yet you look at folks like Red Bull or what, what Bloomberg has done or the Lego movie or, you know, these, these organizations out there. I mean, like you can, there's a document you can get a hold of online. I think it's from 1952 about Disney. And it's like basically a product roadmap of all the different things they offered that all led back to how the films were going to support the park that was going to support the, the sales of all the toys. And it was like, instead of competing with like content marketers, they're competing with the real media, you know? Right. And it, it, yeah. can you talk about this idea of, you know, not just, you know, not just content marketing, but stuff that is like literally getting you into film festivals quality. Yeah. Um, it, sorry. In, in what sense? Like just, well, uh, ju just the idea of like, not just putting out content to put out content, but really right. like applying that quality lens to it and, and having the discipline to not just measure how much content we put out, but to measure, you know, is this, is this media quality content? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, again, I think it goes back to the, the roots of the brand. If you go back you know, to our mission statement and the, the search for perfection and, and uh, you know, I, I think like probably you know, probably happens in almost every company, you know, there's this um, internal debate as to, uh, you know, quality versus quantity and, and does it match the, the ethos of the brand? And that's, um, that's something we've always tried to do. You know, it's like, if it doesn't match that the standard that we're trying to build or chasing in our product, then, then it's not worth doing or touching really. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we've, we've always lived by that. And, um, and yeah, you know, I've, I always say like, whether, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I always feel like, you know, you, you can, on YouTube, you can get, you know, you can have some ski clip that's, you know, super radical or whatever, and it gets, you know, 20 seconds and it gets a few million eyeballs, let's just say, versus maybe a, you know, beautiful film festival piece that, um, you know, that, that gets uh, maybe a tenth, a tenth of those views or less. But, you know, what, it seems like yeah, I'm no uh, social media expert, but, you know, I'd rather have the, the tenth of eyeballs on uh, on that high quality piece that, that really uh, stirs someone's soul and, and live with them for, you know, potentially for years to come than, you know, than some high volume hit that, uh, that uh, just comes and goes and there's, there's another one tomorrow, if you know what I mean. So from a, yeah, from a brand perspective, it's, yeah, it's really about quality and, and just sort of lining up with, with the, you know, the core, the culture of the brand and the product offering and, and yeah, creating a, a lasting connection to, to the customer. That's, um, yeah, and again, that's, it's not so much marketing strategy as just kind of a core ethos, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys are, 
you know, by definition, an innovative organization, everything that you're doing, the, the phantom, the shapes, the materials, all this stuff. When you think about leading an innovative organization, like I'm sure just being in the industry, there's a number of folks that want to be associated just because it's fun and it's cool, but you actually have to have stuff work. You actually have to get customers to buy this and then not just to order it, but to pay their bills. You know, like there's all the less glamorous parts of an innovative organization. Can you talk about yep. any of your experience on that? And then, and maybe any, cause you had a professional skiing background originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about any of the kind of like drive and determination from that that's translated and then just your, your thoughts on leading an innovative organization in general? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I guess as a skier and, and this goes to the roots of the mission again, you know, personally, I um, just was obsessed with like how, how I could further my own craft and ski, you know, not necessarily. So, you know, to get a claim or, or some accolade or something, it's just really a, a very personal mission about like uh, developing the art of your own skiing, like how you, uh, and, and this is what led to the, you know, a lot of these products too, is like, you know, how, how deep can you take this to match reality uh, with what you imagine in your own mind in terms of like the style, the power, the flow um, of skiing. So, so I think that, um, that kind of constant uh, drive to, to try to match an imperfect world that never totally sees perfection with a, with this perfect idea that you chase is, is really what creates that kind of tension to, uh, to continually improve and, and think outside the box and, and make things better. Um, so, so yeah, and that's not something that, you know, I, you have to, you, I, I feel like you either, either have it or you don't in a way. And it's just kind of like somehow in my DNA or blood, I just, you know, I'm just very curious to, to try to, push things farther and farther towards, towards perfection. And that's, I think that's the main driver. Um, but yeah, as you, as you alluded to, it's, yeah, you're, you're dealing with, uh, with imperfect parts all the time in, in the practical application of, of that mission. So, um, so in terms of like an organization, yeah, I mean, things are, you know, there's, there's financial realities, there's the people uh, management side of it. There's the, um, can we talk about yeah. that for a minute? Let's talk about the people sure. side. You know, yeah. everybody wants to have a great place to work, uh, but there's always stress and there's always deadlines and there's always complaining customers and there's always bills to be paid. And um, can you talk about your approach of like, whether it's things you did wrong before that are better now, or just any of your philosophies in general about the people side of having a great team? Yeah, totally. And I, you know, I'm, oof, I'll, I'll say straight off the bat, I'm, I'm definitely not probably the, the most talented manager of people um, that, that ever entered the business world. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, you, you get inspired by, by this idea, you know, of, you know, of not sitting on your laurels and, and continually pushing things um, forward. So, I think at the core, that's that's what really can motivate and and um, inspire people to to work on projects that you know e even myself. I, I probably you know from just a sheer monetary standpoint, we've always joked you know I could probably make more in another industry with another career um, you know many decades ago, but that wouldn't feed the soul the way the way this does. And I think as a team, you know, like naturally as as things weed out and the and people just kind of naturally, magnetically get attracted to to a team. It's because there's this this shared passion for for the product, for the ideal, for for the culture. And um, 
And so, so yeah, I think that at least in our case has happened somewhat organically um, in terms of creating a team, you know, it's just, it's, you know, we're not building toaster ovens. So it's, uh, you know, you, you naturally sort of attract very passionate people that want to kind of push the envelope, which is really cool and, and makes the, uh, yeah, the culture pretty dynamic. And yeah, like I mentioned, there's sacrifice within that too. You know, we're, we're a fledging, you know, we're, we're always kind of, yeah, yeah. We're, we're always searching for air at the top. We're like a, another analogy. Yeah. We're like a volcano. There's, we're trying to do new stuff all the time and, and always searching for sustainability and, and, you know, we're by no means uh, kind of made it as an organization. So, so there's always these things in terms of um, HR places to work, but, you know, compared to much bigger competitors, we're, we're always kind of lacking or can't, can't provide everything we'd like to, but on the, but the other hand, like that energy and that thrust of like doing something really cool and innovative is, um, I think is, is enough fuel to, to really um, get people psyched and, and into it. Yeah. I love it. Let's take a quick break uh, from the sponsor and I got some more questions for you. Sounds good. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. Okay, so um, one of the things I want to ask, you know, you're talking about how you have this big advantage of what you're doing is so cool that it, it attracts a certain individual and you've got the passion and this kind of thing. But um, you still, I mean, anytime you get humans together, there's conflict or friction. Any, any advice about uh, conflict management or conflict resolution in an innovative organization inventing the future of an industry? Um, yeah, let's see. I, I mean, generally, you know, it's like, uh, how to answer this, but um, yeah, in my experience, it's kind of like common sense kind of rules in a sense. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if everyone's on the same mission, there's, there's usually a middle path that, uh, that makes sense. And, and I think, you know, generally when it comes to conflict, uh, you know, within a team, it's, you know, just uh, generally just yeah, hearing people out and, and coming, bringing everyone back, if you can, to that, uh, to that middle ground, to me, seems, you know, seems to generally kind of work and write itself. I, I don't know if that's uh, specific enough, but um, yeah, like keeping cool and listening to people and, and just trying to, trying to work through conflict to, you know, if you have passionate people that, that at their core believe in, in the mission, it, it usually comes right. Uh, pretty quickly and and usually that tension is, is just created from you know from stress um, of you know of, of things not going as quickly as one would like or um, that's generally at the core of it but I think in our organization it's not um, you know culturally everyone's relatively aligned so so the issues aren't aren't much deeper than that I would say generally yeah it's amazing you know as leaders when somebody else is hot under the collar what a temptation it is to match them. But I, I know the advice sounds simple, but I kind of love your idea of like, stay cool, listen to them, you know, that's going to deescalate and then bring it back to the mission. You know, what's the constancy of purpose? What's the rallying cry we're all here for? And yeah, I mean, what I'm hearing and correct me if I'm putting too many words in your mouth is it's like, if it's less about me versus you and it's more about what's right for the mission, then the middle ground can be found. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, it's, um, you know, if ego is a is a big deal, like generally those 
those those folks kind of get weeded out of the the equation eventually naturally um and yeah it's the the mission first and and just the the desire to to have this you know like fun new ideas succeed commercially too is the ultimate validation of them and and if uh yeah if everyone starts with with that idea and just being a part of it, it i mean yeah um as long as yeah things stay calm reasonable common sense it, it, i think usually you you end up in a good place and things aren't too big a deal yeah so taking a bit of a right turn here, um, one of the subjects that's near and dear to my heart is the backcountry space of action sports. Um, yep. You know, I don't, I don't know if this is just wishful thinking on my part, but I'd be interested in your thought. Um, you know, I've got such a passion for snowmobile up, snowboard down stuff, and our skier buddies come with us sometimes. And um, I, I really feel like, and again, this could be just selective editing, but it, it seems like there's more and more a move away from the terrain parks into like authentically awesome deep powder backcountry, whether that's skins, whether that's snowmobile access. Do you think that's wishful thinking on my part or do you, do you see it as well? Uh, yeah, I, I see it too. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I've always been in a bubble that I've always seen it that way. In other words, um, you know, like through, let's call it a few years ago and then going 10 years before that, like, yeah, freestyle and park, um, at least on the ski side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was kind of the thing or the fad, but you know, it was, uh, I I don't think once ever in my, you know, I, I've personally like never been super interested in that side of the sport and just knowing how powerful the, you know, the, the deep powder kind of big mountain experience is and, and have always recognized that as, um, uh, sort of like yeah just the, the the tip of the spear of the sport right and uh and i think you know and that's skiing and so we've always held true to to um you know to those those values and and really what we believed in we've never really kind of been swayed or distracted by um by a park movement it's nothing we've ever dabbled in because it's not our it's not our core it's not our mission and i think you know it's if you in snowboarding too you you kind of see it now it's almost being validated if you look at um you know maybe it's just because i have more exposure to this part of the world but it seems like you know freestyle is has kind of waned a little bit and you see brands like jones like really uh, you know having a lot of uh, a lot of energy and power now in the snowboarding world yeah um, it is interesting with, right compared to the like the forum jibbing world right when yeah when the jones when the Jones brand is not like an afterthought, when it's a when it's a front runner, right? At least on people's lips, you know, it is a it's definitely an indication, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it, it's just you know, it's something I, I feel like I know in my heart, and others do too. You know, you can have fads and trends and stuff, but I mean, you know, riding a, a steep spine or a you know a deep powder field, like that, it's just that that's the apex of of snow snow sport, you know, and um, th- there isn't like more passionate kind of deeper experience in, um, in snow sports, I feel like. So, so yeah. Well, um, along yeah. the same lines, you know, before we started the interview today, you said that you and your buddies have been talking about getting more into sled access. And that's a trend that I see coming back in a bigger way. Any thoughts behind what's driven that? 
Um, well, I, I guess for me personally, there, there's a long history there. Like we, we spent many years, um, driving up to Alaska, uh, every spring and trying to, uh, to try to basically go heli skiing with our snowmobiles, you know, and that, and we were arguably not that successful at it, but they just, the sense of, uh, adventure, um, and just kind of the do it yourself in the, in the back country, it, it just brings us, you know, just amazing level of exploration um, to the whole experience, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, like, um, you know, I, my approach to sled skiing now would probably be different than it was 10 years ago. We were trying to, we are like just set on kind of like making it a helicopter. Whereas now, I, you know, I would use it probably, I would use it more as a straight access tool and then, and then climb and tour um, mostly. But uh, yeah, but just the freedom that it gives you for long approaches or like, for example, like where we used to go in Alaska, you know, like in, in an hour, you could get very deep into these zones that, you know, otherwise would only be accessed by plane or, or many, many days of, of touring. Um, uh, to get into so just the the sheer access component of of what the sled allows you to do is, is pretty incredible yeah. yeah i love it well everybody check out dpsskis.com and uh uh stefan thanks for making all the time for us all right uh, much much appreciated thanks for giving me the opportunity to come on and spew and talk so <laughs> i appreciate it yeah, that's awesome <laughs> well that's it for the episode one other thing i wanted to tell you about if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or $400 million. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called blipbillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks.